Proper, welcome to the show. Guys, just for you to understand the context here, I actually talked to Proper, I think it's already a couple months back, actually, because time flies. And he's from the Artblocks community, and they've been looking at generative art on Bitcoin. And now with the conversation around OnChain Monkey and what they're doing with the dimensions, he basically came back and was like, hey, we'd love to share what we're working on because we have been doing it actually for the past couple of months already. Proper, can you briefly introduce yourself, your project a little bit, and then we can dive into the generative art on Bitcoin because I think that's something that a lot of people are pretty interested in these days. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, everybody. I'm Proper. Myself and a couple of guys have been working on a platform called Imagine. You can find us at img.art or imagine.art. Either one works. We are a curated platform for digital art on ordinals. Thus far, we have focused on generative art. Our first project was released back in early February. It's actually the first long-form project on ordinals in the 4,000, 5,000 range of inscriptions. I mean, we've had three releases since then, all generative as well ranging from artists that are ETH native or Tezos native, Artblocks curated artists, things like that. And yeah, just from here, we are looking to continue bringing more great art to Bitcoin, as you might expect, especially with the recent addition of native support for recursive inscriptions. We are quite excited about that. So I can only imagine that for the foreseeable future, a lot of our releases will also be generative works. But I think from there, just from the fact that we lean so heavily into curation, we've done a lot of generative releases so far. A good analogy is the art blocks of Bitcoin in a sense. But at the same time, that's just given what Ordinals affords us to do. I think we definitely want to expand from there. And so we're also in talks with a lot of other types of artists that aren't necessarily generative or AI or anything like that. No, that's awesome, man. And I just want to ask one question because we discussed it. I remember when we were on a call, I, I really forgot when it was, but it was probably already three months ago or something. But when we were on the call that time, you were basically saying that you're talking with a lot of artists from the Artbooks community and maybe other places as well. And there were some interested for sure to come to Bitcoin, but maybe not like everybody was interested or maybe majority of them. So how has that evolved since we last spoke? And especially with the updates about the recursive inscriptions. And like now we have more basically capabilities or we have more options to, to do stuff here. So can you comment on that? Like how artists are currently viewing it and how you see the space evolving from here? I think actually last time when we talked, I was in Tokyo for the Bright Moments Tokyo event. So that was something like 40 artists we're releasing in-person minted collections ranging from generative to AI and other types of art on Ethereum. And so a lot of my reasoning for going was, A, I was minting some pieces, and then also get a feel for what is the current sentiment with ETH native collectors and artists about the ordinal space. And basically, the prevailing sentiment was... We've heard about ordinals, but A, we don't know how to get started, or we don't know where to start looking if we want to collect stuff, or in some cases, it was even like, I'm not interested in them, but that was a very small number of cases. So it showed me that I feel like on a lot of these like ordinal-focused spaces, we do talk about collectors coming over and whatnot, but it was it really shined a light to me about how a lot of those actual collectors who are blocks collectors and people who collect a lot of digital art and aren't necessarily there for flipping stuff and trading and all that kind of stuff, those actual collectors weren't there yet. 
And I, I think since that kind of eye-opening moment for me, being someone who's building out a product where we want those collectors on uh, Bitcoin, and we've like focused our product on bringing those people over, it's definitely changed a lot. I know these are just words, but if I could tell you guys about just the number of inflows of people from both collectors and artists and artist representatives reaching out, showing this renewed interest in what ordinals are about and what art on Bitcoin is about, I, I think you guys would be quite intrigued. And various discussions there with, as you said, Jan, other Artplex curated artists, digital artists who typically release some like super rare or foundation on ETH, or maybe they're Tezos native artists or collectors, and now they want to check out Bitcoin as well. But it's been pleasantly surprising over just the past two or three weeks, really, since like recursive support started to become so widely talked about that the inflows have just been absolutely overwhelming. That's awesome. You guys have been building this for a while, right? That's something that we discussed already. And are you now, given what OnChain Monkey launched with these libraries and stuff like that, are you basically planning to build on that? Do you guys have any other thing going on on the technical level that you are launching or already launched? Can you describe, let's say, the future plans here in terms of making it easier for people to come in and, and start building as a platform? It's a great question. So it's funny how much recursive inscriptions are going to impact us and like our ability to release these collections, because I alluded to it before where our product is geared toward bringing these ETH native collectors over. So if you went onto the Imagine website and you tried to mint, our most recent project was Refraction by Lauren Bednar. And if you tried to mint, it, it wasn't like you're pulling up Xverse or Hero or Unisat wallet. You're pulling up your MetaMask wallet and you're just pasting your BC1 address into the field that gets included into your Mint transaction. There was a lot of questions about like, why did we do that? And it's at the end of the day, if you're an ETH collector, if you're, it's your first time looking at ordinals. You don't want to have to, oh, I have to swap to Bitcoin and then I have to set up this new wallet. I have to do all this stuff. So we want to make that as easy as possible. So in that sense, the reason I bring that up is because we were incurring the inscription fees on the back end. And we just, again, we did that so people who were on the east side didn't have to own Bitcoin if they didn't, weren't ready yet. Imagine was incurring the inscription fees for these collections when they were being minted. And if you're inscribing an HTML file that has the project scripts, the project C, any CSS if needed, and then also on top of that, things like p5.js required elements, it, you can get to really large sizes. And so we had to do a lot of, so not only did that increase the size and therefore for a lot of our collections, it, it was an exponential increase in our inscription costs when you're minting 50 pieces, for example, and then we're incurring them. And then also there was this overhead of, oh, so P5 alone is, can be 400 plus kilobytes depending on what version of P5 you're using. And so we had to do funky stuff like have the artists rewrite their work in vanilla JavaScript or switch to Q5, which is like a minimized version of P5. Or we even had to go in and prune out all of the unused elements of P5 in the script just to be able to get it to fit on chain. So I think in that capacity, we are quite excited that I think there's still a question of, do we want to continue down this path of an ETH native experience just to bring people into this space? and it aid them in that effort, or go the more Bitcoin native route, or maybe a mix of both. Yeah, thanks for that. I see we have a bunch of hands up. Let's go to Cypher and Isabel, and then we can carry on with the conversation. 
Yeah, first of all, I love any time people are talking nerdy about using literal scripts where you're pulling in P5 or 3JS, 100% on board. I had more like a philosophical question for you. Where do you and your projects, and or let me phrase that, where do you stand in regards to the projects that you're bringing over on things like using IPFS pointers within recursion? Judging by the fact you brought up the file sizes and actually using the scripts directly, it sounds to me like you're a big proponent of potentially keeping all of this on chain. Absolutely. I don't particularly see a reason to, if the whole purpose, at least from my end, if we're working on this product to put all these new types of work completely on chain, I don't particularly see the reason of leaning into off-chain elements when you have the ability to put them on chain in the first place. Obviously, that creates a lot of issues depending on the type of work and you have to find workarounds, which is in reality what we did for all four of the projects and we've worked on, we've released so far. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you in the sense of I am not a proponent of, if you want to release something with IPFS, go to ETH, do your thing. If the whole reason Bitcoin is interesting now in this capacity now is because you have, it affords you the ability to do things differently. Okay. And as a follow-up to that, because you said all the things I love, have you guys, or have you and your people inscribed any libraries, assets that you are open to the public using? So a great example would be like with the on-chain monkeys, they've got compression library, 3JS. I think they've got their own copy of P5. They've got like everything. Honestly, Danny's kind of a psycho. He, I think he's put almost every library you would want to use on-chain because he's, he's awesome like that. But have you inscribed any libraries that the public might be interested in? And if so, are you willing to share them? And if not, are there any that are currently appealing to you that if somebody else inscribed, you would want them to tell you? So on our end, not yet, because I, first and foremost, I think our dev team is still in that research phase and seeing the viability, not viability, but I, I think the main thing for us is seeing how we can work in those existing packages that have been inscribed into our current workflow and then taking it from there. Because if, if you're talking generative art and you look at what the OCM team has done with putting P5 in 3JS and just other packages on chain, it's like, why would we inscribe another instance of P5 when it already exists there? But that's a loaded question and kind of a hypothetical question because it might get to a point where we need a specific version of P5 on chain that doesn't already exist. So maybe in that sense, we might be interested in it. But no, if, it, if it's out there already and it, it's available in that sense, I don't necessarily see another reason for putting such a large piece on chain. It's not necessarily that large. I understand the compression side of things, but yeah, it, it's just another question of chain bloat. That's how I see it. Guys, before we go to Isabel, I know that there's a lot of these words and definitions thrown around, but there's probably people that are joining for the first time and learning about these things. Cypher proper, can you just explain like P5, what does it mean, these libraries and stuff like that? So when we talk about libraries, the entire world is built on code, right? Everything you do in your daily life is powered by nerdy engineers who get really excited about the things we're talking about. What it means for you, though, is let's imagine you want a really cool 3D monkey as an inscription, like OCM's recent Genesis drop. To do that, there's a lot of code that needs to exist, and you could put this code off-chain, but then at that point, why not just do it on Ethereum? So instead, we have developers, engineers uh, like myself, like Proper, like Danny, definitely probably leading the way, in my opinion, 
in his case, who are putting the chunks of code that power those sort of experiences on the chain and then making those chunks of code available to other people to use. So that way later, when you come along, you don't have to rebuild the iPhone from scratch, you know, by going to a mine and digging out cobalt for your battery and everything else. You already have all of these pieces that have been put here by the engineers who are super excited. So instead, you can come in and just build a really cool artistic thing without needing to worry about, hey, how do I go find the latest, greatest version of 3JS so I can do 3D stuff? No, you say, I have a 3D model. I want to put it on chain. Here's a copy of 3JS. Smash them together. Go. So it makes the world better for artists. It makes the world better for end users, like many of us are, even if we're engineers. And it makes the world significantly better for the engineers and developers because... At the end of the day, I don't want to have to go inscribe 3JS again. That's an expensive inscription process to run. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the way that gets factored into, say, generative art, for example, you can do generative art or creative coding in a lot of different programming languages, but by far the most popular language to do it in is JavaScript, especially because it's web-ready and is right in your browser. And so when you're doing creative coding, This is the case for just like all types of coding in general. You'll have something that, you know, maybe you want to do and it turns out, oh, look, someone's already done this before and they have it all prettied up in this little package that I can just import into my script and utilize what they've already written. And so when it comes to generative art, probably if I had to say off the top of my head, by far the most popular package for that is p5.js, which is a package called Processing. Processing is available in a lot of different languages, Python and Java and so on and so forth. And it's basically giving artists the ability to use some of these pre-built tools to extend their art within their script and not having to roll their own, so to speak, which is, I, I think, for any developers here, you've probably heard that a lot. There's no reason to roll your own for a lot of things because odds are if you're doing something, someone's tried to do it before. But it's just utilizing those elements and then, but at the end of the day, if you want to put it on chain and it requires those elements that you're using from another package, those, if you're doing on-chain art, those need to be on-chain too. Otherwise, you have a piece of generative art, for example, that requires other elements to actually be created in the first place. Thanks, guys. Isabel, please jump in. I know you have been waiting patiently, so feel free to ask anything. Hi. Yeah. No, I just wanted to jam a little bit more about what you're seeing culturally in like art blocks or like what I would call like the luxury Ethereum NFT universe. Like the folks I'm really noticing, I've been a Bitcoiner for a long time and it was like only in starting to work with Casey and getting into ordinals that I really started to understand the different kind of subcultures that are happening with Ethereum NFTs and Artblocks folks and just like the folks who are really committed to on chain on Ethereum and like super high quality art. I understood that like a JPEG wasn't going to do it for them. It makes a lot of sense to me that recursion is opening the path for those folks to become more interested in Bitcoin. It does go back to what I was saying earlier about there is a growing interest, I think, especially early on before, I guess, this most recent wave of interest. It was there were a lot of people pushing back. So prime example, I mean, a e-focused generative art collecting and supporting collective called Grailers DAO. I held like a community call earlier today for those interested in learning more about the ordinal space. 
And as I said towards the beginning, I don't blame anybody who heard about Ornals but wasn't interested in getting involved yet, whether that be just from a ETH versus Bitcoin standpoint. I get the tribalism, I get it. But also, if you looked early on, having a download Sparrow wallet and get that stuff sorted out and just wasn't a very user-friendly process for a lot of people, and I completely understood that. I, I think that now, A, because there is a growing interest and it seems every day whether I get pinged on Twitter or I get pinged in a Discord somewhere where people have questions about, hey, what is this ordinal stuff about? People are coming around in that sense. And I think it's like an avalanche effect. One of the things that I noticed when I was chatting with those folks and like taking a temperature check on the culture there was that there was definitely like at that point, this was probably in like March, April, like an education gap around ordinals and a little bit of like hot new thing syndrome. Like people were like, oh, is this like a trend? Is this going to stick around? Is this just like some of the hot new thing? Is this just the new Solana or whatever it is? And I remember like having great conversations with once you really get into the technicals of like why ordinals is Bitcoin, right? Like that those light bulb moments would happen. But I'm wondering if you're still if that narrative if you're seeing that narrative changing or people starting to be like oh this is not going away or are people still struggling with that and then I guess like on the more cynical side of things and I didn't experience this when I was in those spaces personally but I feel like there's like a little bit of like a concern maybe amongst coiners or certain kinds of ordinal enjoyers that like the really deep like art blocks folks maybe would have or like really deep ETH NFT collectors like the ETH NFT like whales might be like a little afraid of ordinals or be concerned about ordinals being like a threat to their bags in some way. On the first point, I will say so I completely agree. I had the same experiences early on, at least. I will say to your point about Solana, good news is it's Bitcoin and it's a heck of a lot easier to talk to people about Bitcoin, putting art on Bitcoin than putting art on Solana. So in that sense, things are looking up. (laughs) But yeah, while I did experience that, it seemed like it was more so just like a lack of knowledge. And understandably, what I was saying after that is just earlier today, I I led a community call in like a one of the more prominent generative art focused collectives on ETH called Gorilla's Dow. And I spent, I spent a lot of that time just talking to ETH native collectors and me myself being coming from an ETH collector background. Uh, I've been in crypto for a long time, so it's not just, I'm not just ETH or anything, but I would say that as a collector, the overwhelming majority of my collection was on ETH. And being able to make that connection of, hey, I'm on ETH and I'm doing what you're doing, but I think there's a lot of cool and interesting stuff going on over here. And I think being able to make those analogies between here's what it's like in Ethereum, here's what it's like on Bitcoin, it makes it a lot easier to level with someone. And I don't know if it was the recursive inscription stuff or what, because just over the past two or three weeks, sentiment seems to have completely changed where it used to be our team was reaching out to artists or collectors about releases we were having and saying, hey, we're doing this, would you be interested? And either maybe some artists were interested or collectors were interested, or maybe people just shrugged it off. But over the past two or three weeks, it's been complete, like complete opposite of these inflows of just people DMing me with questions or artists interested in exploring ordinals. And I don't exactly know why that is. The only connection I can make is with this new recursive inscription stuff going live. And 
Maybe that's what it was. I don't know, but I am more than it's. It's really nice to see it. But yeah, it, it's completely changed. I, I will say, a, as you might expect, when a lot of artists are coming from an Ethereum or maybe a Tezos background or something with, from releasing their work, typically speaking, if you're running a platform on Ethereum and you're working with artists, generally speaking, they all know what the deal is in terms of releasing work. And or they at least have a high level overview of what the process looks like. And oh, here's a collection. Your collection is going to be minted on this contract, and it's going to be listed on these marketplaces automatically, so on and so forth. So we don't really have. We're not really afforded the ability quite yet to instantly get over that hurdle. When we start talking to an artist, even if they express a lot of interest in ordinals, it's still talking about oh, what can we do on Bitcoin? What is an ordinal to begin with? What is a satoshi? And getting over that knowledge barrier before you can really just say, oh, before they have that aha moment and say, oh, wow. okay, so this is interesting. Let's I would love to explore this more. But I I think a lot of it comes back to that. Yeah, it's Bitcoin. It's not Tezos, to be be fair, or Solana or any of these other chains like it is Bitcoin. It's the chain. And so in that sense, it's a lot easier there, too. Awesome. Proper. Really appreciate you coming up here and sharing all that. Tons of great questions there. I think I can definitely echo like nobody was like DMing interested about anything related to the art side of things, like just art in general in the first several months. Like I I literally just, I think not that many artists were interested in this space. They weren't taking us very seriously. And specifically this recursion thing has got the generative art. I'm not saying it's probably not even like 10% of them, but 10% of the generative art community is a decent amount of people. They're definitely checking this stuff out and they're asking questions and that's extremely, I don't know, it's, I personally use like DMs as signal that something is interesting to people and people are very interested in the generative art and recursion stuff. So to me, the, that just means that over the next month or two, you'll see the people start working on their projects now. They'll come out with those projects in a month or two. And hopefully there's some really cool stuff mixed in there. I think the whole advantage of recursion is that anyone can go create recursive inscriptions very inexpensively higher end projects can go with you guys proper and do a really thoughtful curated thing. But I just encourage people to go like mess around with a little HTML and create art for the first time. And you don't even have to sell it. Just have fun making generative art, right? It's, it's a neat thing to be able to do. 